0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. And today I have Victor Nino here. Victor, can you
1: tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Uh, yeah, well, my name is uh, Victor Nino. I am a um, realtor with Keller Williams here in the Austin metro area. And I started my uh, journey as an investor in real estate when I was uh, 19. So a month before my 20th birthday, I. Um, bought a home because I was guided by my older brother that had already been in the real estate business for about 10 years as a realtor. So he's the one that uh, kind of pointed me in the right direction, uh, started telling me about passive income and all that jazz and it opened up a new world to me uh, when it came to finance and money. That's awesome. So your brother started
0: as a realtor before you and kind of introduced you to you know, real estate investing. Um, But you've done quite a bit with real estate, both on the realtor side. And I know we're going to talk about your investing side, too. So tell everybody a little bit about what your day to day job is. So what what do you do every day and and what goes on there? Because I know you work with a bunch of awesome people that we've actually interviewed here
1: on the podcast. Exactly. Well, day in and day out, um, my my whole goal is to help clients uh, buy and um, and sell real estate. So there's two fronts to that. Typically, it's either the investment side or more so a person that will buy and move up to a home or sometimes downsize. But my day-to-day is uh, my my job as a real estate agent and uh, running a team as well uh, in the Northwest Market Center for Keller Williams.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you've got some, some pretty cool team members there. We've had Diego and Andres on here and, you know, both talked a lot about house hacking and You know, clearly that's how you got started at at the ripe young age of 19. So, you know, could you tell us a little bit more about that? I really want to talk about that, because not many people start at 19. I thought about it at 19, but I didn't start till I was 27. So (laughs) it's really impressive that you started at 19, jump right in.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, uh, like every 19 year old that I knew, what I wanted was to get a cool car. Because I was like, hey, you know what? If I get a cool car, then maybe more girls want to talk to me. (laughs) And uh, I remember I went to test drive a vehicle. It was a white um, Ford Mustang, brand new. And I remember I went for a a test drive, and then I took it to my brother's house. And I showed it to him, and he's all like, oh, wow, that's a really nice car. Uh, So when uh, he greeted me, he's all like, hey, come over over to uh, my office. I'm going to go ahead and show you something. So he pulls up uh, on the internet, how much a Mustang that's five years old was worth. He says, so how much are you gonna pay for this? And I'm like, about 20,000. And then he's like, so how much do you think it'll be worth in five years? I was like, I don't care because I'm gonna have a new car. (laughs) And he's like, come on over, I wanna show you this. And I remember seeing that it would be worth maybe like $7,000, $6,000, best case scenario, maybe eight if I took real good care of it. And then he asked me, how much are you gonna pay per month? And then he said, the key question, how much is your insurance? And I was like, oh wait, I need insurance, that's right. (laughs) So when I called, it was gonna be more than what I was making per month with my car payment and my insurance. And I was gonna give like $5,000 down. So then he started telling me, hey, you know what? You can go ahead and use that money, buy a property, live for free, and then the money you're paying right now in your apartment, you can use that to buy your car and you can have two things for one. And I was like, wow, I never, I had never thought of something like that. So it, it wasn't like I wanted to do it. It wasn't like I knew better than most of my friends. It was more so my brother guiding me to make that, that decision. And frankly, I mean, I still have that property. I ended up buying it for $80,000 right next to the domain. Oh, wow. yeah so you know how much homes are worth there I'd still rent it out every single time somebody leaves like a matter of two weeks tops it'll be rented again absolutely so was that a a three-bed home uh yeah three bedroom one and a half bath so um before I bought that home I was renting an apartment with one of my friends Mm -hmm. rent was 500 bucks we had a one bedroom he would sleep in the living room in a futon for three months. And then we would rotate. He would go to the bed, I would go to the futon. So that's how we were doing it, right? And we're paying 250 each. So long story uh, short, uh, I asked him, I'm like, hey man, I'm thinking about buying a house. You would have your own room. Would you be willing to be my roommate? And that's how it started. So then I said, hey, you know, right now we're paying 250, but we're sharing a bedroom. Uh, We can go to a home and it'll be 300 bucks but you're gonna have your own room and he loved that. So he's like, all right, let's do it. So then I ended up, um, my payment was $670. Oh, wow. Yeah, $670 a month principal interest taxes and insurance. I got two roommates and I ended up living for $70 a month um, out of my pocket. And then since I was 20 years old by that point, uh, I had a lot of friends that wanted to move into Austin from my hometown, which, I'm from a small border town in South Texas called Eagle Pass, Texas. And uh, so they would be like, hey man, I'm thinking about moving to Austin. What, um, you know, can you hook me up with a place to stay while I get on my feet? And I'm like, sure. So then I ended up getting a couple other friends and they started sharing rooms. Um, And I was earning $1,000 a month and I was in the master bedroom and I was living for free. So that was pretty cool.
0: And everybody else is winning, too. Even, even a while ago, $300 for a room was dirt cheap. That's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think about it. It was 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> been a little bit ago. Yeah, but still, it's it's nothing, especially for that location here in Austin. Um, you know, clearly, it wasn't the, the same that it is now, but it's still an awesome location in Austin, no matter when it was.
1: Oh, so. yeah, definitely. So that's when I discovered, I was like, wow, this is super cool. So um, what I ended up doing, I started saving again because I wanted my car. And then I ended up finding, or my brother ended up finding a duplex. And he's all like, hey, buddy. I didn't know he was lead generating. I just thought he wanted to help me. <laughs> yeah, He was a realtor, right? So uh, so yeah, he's like, hey, there's this duplex. Uh, it's off of Parmer, again, right next to the domain. Mm-hmm. uh hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars. three bed two bath on each side with a full car garage wow so i ended up buying that instead of buying my car and i'll tell you i never bought a nice car till i like turned 30 years old there you go well you know you have said hey your brother's lead generating but he helped you
0: out so much by trying to sell you houses so yeah, oh, yeah. he was he was making the commission and and, I, you know, I've actually had this conversation with a few people. They're like, well, you really just want to make that commission, don't you? I'm like, you know, if, if I was on the other end and you said, hey, would you rather have this house or this commission? Take that house any day. You know, just oh, yeah. I'd rather have the house.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, I think that uh, unfortunately, sometimes people focus too much on, wait a minute, why do they want to help me? Like, like you have something up your sleeve and the sad thing is that. Um, You know, we come across a lot of great opportunities, Mm -hmm. but unless we're extremely wealthy, we can't buy them all. It's just, it's not possible. So we get to share that information with whoever's in our sphere, hoping that at least someone we know will benefit from those great opportunities. And that's really what my brother did. And, um, you know, now I look back and I'm like, wow, I got so lucky that my brother was in that position and that had that mindset. Because you and I both know that most realtors don't even invest in real estate. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Isn't that insane? And a large portion of the realtors have never even bought a home before. So the way I see it is like, well, how are you going to guide someone if you've never done it yourself? Now, can it be done? Of course. Have I met great agents that don't own a home? Yes. But there's that little difference that when you've been through it, you can relate to people. Um, therefore make them feel a little bit more comfortable, especially when they're getting angsty about the decision that they're uh, making or buyer's remorse or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or dealing with the loan officer asking for everything you've ever thought that you were never gonna have to tell anybody. So yeah, there's just lots of things. Um, I think I, I personally think it should be a requirement that if you're a realtor, you should own a home, but there's no way to make that. That requirement there, so it can't be a requirement. But I would say, if you're out there looking for homes, make sure your realtor at least owns a home. And then, if you're out there looking for investment properties, so make sure your realtor has done some sort of investing. So you you've been doing the house hacking things since you were 19 years old, which is yes, just sir. amazing. And you bought in the areas of Austin that are worth I, I don't three four times what you paid for those
1: houses. Probably oh, yeah. more for the 80000 Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and the thing is this, that, um, you know, b- like you were saying right now, if you're going to be working with someone, make sure that they have at least done it themselves, because then they can lead you the right path. If not, it's kind of like you're, you know, you're learning as they're learning as well. But, um, you know, when it comes to uh, real estate investing, I mean, my God, here in Austin, we've had appreciation that's been insane. Another thing I started doing, uh, you know, more so on the real estate front as a realtor is I started doing like market studies of, um, you know, year over year, how home prices have increased and so forth. And we've seen something pretty dramatic. I'm not sure if you saw the numbers, 18%, 19.8% in Travis County, year over year as far as appreciation. Bass drops only 6% year over year from December to December. But guess what? This year, I think it's going to go up a lot more because there's people trying to buy in Travis uh, Williamson and Hayes that can't really get in there at a good price for it to make sense uh, for us to invest. So therefore, I think uh, Bastrop's the next uh, the next frontier. Yeah, you know, I was actually looking
0: to buy houses in Bastrop in March or April, just as rental properties. And I wish I would have not been so picky and pulled the trigger on a few of them because those prices are 10 15% up now. Oh, yes, yeah. just just insane when i first saw those numbers for november from you know travis county in austin area i had to triple check i said there's no way that can be true and i went and verified and you know it is true that it had gone up more than 19
1: percent in a year in travis county and just amazing but yeah and to put it into perspective i mean what would you say would be average in a healthy market where you say, hey, you know what? It's not super hot, but it's a healthy appreciation. I mean, I've seen it's typically three, maybe 5%, and you're like, hey, I'm doing real well. But, you know, 18% plus, yeah pretty incredible stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just insane. It, it Everything that's happened this year, if you would have told me in March that any of this stuff was gonna happen, and we're in 2020 for anybody listening to this later, if you would have said in March, this is what's going to happen in Austin this year, I would have said you're crazy. You know, there's, yeah. there's something's wrong with you. There's no way this is going to happen. And
1: just Oh yeah. And 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 I'll tell you one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've probably noticed it also with your sphere and people you know and so forth. Mm-hmm. People that are lucid and quick on their feet are the ones that are going to continue to win. I know that when uh, you know the lockdown started in March of 2020, I had a conversation with my wife. You know, we live in a in a beautiful home now. And we had just moved like four months before. And this is, you know, we're living in a home where, you know, frankly, we never thought we could live in a place like this. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, when I was born, we lived in government housing. You know, I lived in government housing till I was five years old and my parents bought a little house that was all jacked up, but it had two units. They rented out a one and then they ended up building a fourplex in the back. And it's like, This was decision. These decisions were made by a man that went to third grade in Mexico. Very little English. My mom, sixth grade. It was more so my father making those decisions. But then I didn't know what it really meant. And then my brother, obviously, 10 years older than me, he saw that. And that's why uh, I'm thinking he was also intrigued in, in wanting to invest in real estate. So, um, when it comes to this, you don't have to be smart. That's the thing, like, you don't yeah. have to look smart and you don't have to be a straight A student to be able to take advantage of these opportunities. And, you know, just when you learn about leverage, it's just like mind boggling to see how very few people actually take advantage of this.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it, like you said, you do not have to have any sort of MBA, you know, I I saw somebody ask a question on an internet forum recently. Hey, will an MBA help me with real estate investing? Um, I don't know. I have a GED, so I'm not the right person to ask with that. But the general consensus was, no, you can learn everything you need to know from other people, and the concepts are really simple. Mm-hmm. Use leverage, buy real estate that makes sense, and,
1: and hold on to it for a long time. And oh, of course. And, you know, kind of going back to my point here about, you know, uh, being quick, quick on our feet and so forth. I remember telling my wife, I'm like, hey, you know what? The lockdowns are starting. Uh, we can't show homes. I know that we were kind of in limbo for a couple of weeks, like, hey, is it against the law? Oh, is it against the rules? Oh, am I going to lose my license if I go and show? Like there were so many things up in the air that we didn't know what to expect. And I had a conversation with my wife and I'm like, look, I know this is our dream home. I know that we never thought we would live here and we're super happy that we are, but I'm going to tell you right now, we are not our things. If we need to sell everything or not everything, but this home in particular to cut down on expenses, then we're going to go ahead and do that because I'm not going to wait two, three years or, or even a whole year of possibly not earning an income as a realtor. And then later saying, oh, okay, well now I'm going to make a change. So it's like, we need to make sure that we make quick decisions and not be too attached to money. I think the interesting thing is like, you know, the common, the common conversation amongst friends and stuff is like, oh, money's not important, but they're, but most people live like this, like with their money, they don't want to invest it because they're afraid to lose it. And I'm like, well, you, you say that money's not important. Why are you so married to that money where you can't just even let it go? And the way I see it is like, you know what? Money comes and goes, but money that you invest, it's like planting a little seed. And you keep planting and planting. And now you start having all these trees that give up fruit. And it's like, if you never invest that money because you just have your fists clenched, you're never going to grow at the same level. And and that's the thing that I, I, I hope that whoever's listening to this, that they understand that, you know what? Money's money and money is worthless unless you use it. And being in the bank is not doing anything. I heard this the other day, and I thought it was super cool. He says, the bank account is where your money goes to die. That's the cemetery. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially with inflation, too. So you put
0: money in a bank, and you're saving it, but it's losing value. You put it into real
1: property, like real estate, it's increasing in value. Exactly. Yes, definitely. And, you know, obviously if you're getting a passive income from it, then even better because then it allows you to live the lifestyle you want Mm -hmm. in order to, um, in order for you to, uh, not have to work as hard to have the lifestyle you want to have. And it's like, you get to travel, you get to do all kinds of stuff that maybe you wouldn't be able to do at the same level. If you were just depending on your, uh, on your income, From the day-to-day activities that you do in your business, whether you're an employee or you work in in any kind of business, you're still trading time for money. The beautiful thing about real estate is that, guess what? You don't even have to trade your time for money anymore. Sure, you got to check in on stuff and so forth, but it's not the same amount of hours as an investor.
0: A couple hours a month for for most things you can do as an investor is all you need to put in. And you can do it from a lot of you have a lot of flexibility with that too so of course you talked about being quick on your feet and that's one of the things that i see that it makes the difference between a successful and somebody that never does anything as an investor is just having good decision making power so it's pretty easy to analyze property it takes a few minutes and if you can make a decision quickly after you've analyzed that property you can be successful where if you sit around and have to think. I see those people drag their feet and just never
1: get anywhere compared to the people that say, hey, this works, let's go. Um, I'll tell you one of the things, one of the common traits I see from the more successful people that I know versus the ones that don't have that economic success at that Mm -hmm. same level is being able to make quick decisions. You make quick decisions and hey, you know what? You're not going to win them all. And don't beat, beat yourself up because you made a bad choice. It's kind of like, hey, you know what? I learned. What do I make sure I don't do again? And I learned when something well, uh, something worked out well. So therefore, let me repeat that. And it, it's just adjusting your course as you're going. And uh, And again, not being so married with that money that you can't allow for it to grow. And it's like, hey, go out there in the world and duplicate yourself versus, oh, I can't let you go anywhere because I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. Yeah. And I think that's a great point too. If you hold on to it, you're essentially losing it because
0: it's decreasing in value every year. Oh, of course. So it's not like you really saved it by holding on to it. You know, you're just losing it a little slower than
1: if you lost it all at once. Well, yeah. And see, another thing uh I think that's really important is paying attention who is feeding your mind paying attention what information you are listening to. Um, I remember back in 2008, nine, my uh, brother read a book called Aftershock. And it was, you know, talking about doom and gloom, the whole economy is gonna collapse. So I made the mortal mistake of selling a couple of properties and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jim Rohn, but he's all like, stand guard at the gates of your mind. What information are you allowing your mind to get, whether visually or stuff that you're listening to? And that that has been like one of the things that I'm like, wow, like I have to be very careful who I listen to in order for me to make good sound decisions. And the thing is this, uh the market is crashing videos are everywhere oh 2021 the market's gonna crash but the thing is this in real estate if it does crash it's not gonna you're not gonna wake up one day and say okay you know what tonight i'm going to bed my home is worth 350 and then tomorrow i wake up and now it's worth half this is not the stock market that is not gonna happen so what a prudent person should do is pay very close attention to what's happening locally. Mm -hmm. If someone's a homeowner, pay attention. Hey, if you have a realtor friend, tell them, put me on a drip email and I wanna know everything that happens in my subdivision. Send me an email a month or an email a week so that way I know what homes are coming up, what homes are going pending and what homes are closing. Why? Because then you'll start noticing trends. And the sad thing is most people get distracted with life that they don't pay attention to their finances at the level that they should. And then therefore they wonder why are we paycheck to paycheck or why can't we pay for the kids college or why can't we go on vacation? Why? Because you're roaming through life. And if you don't (laughs) do things intentionally, then how are you going to grow? Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Um, I love the Jim Rohn books, too. I was actually listening to one this morning. Um, yeah, so I guess, can we talk a little bit more about the local markets? So a lot of the people on here are not in Austin. And you and I, being active in the Austin real estate market, get some more insight than other people. You know, like you said, it's the appreciation over the last year has been just insane. But over the last several decades, it's been really good here. You know, and I think it's easy for people to forget that it's not just 2020. I talk to people, oh, it's 2020. I see all these companies are moving to Austin. Uh, Austin's just taken off. Austin's been taken off for quite a long time. And, and you know that clearly you've been buying houses over by the domain since the late 90s. Could you share a little bit more of your perspective of, let's say, what's happened with Austin in the last 20 years and what's going on now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I started selling real estate 16 years ago. And what I recall is most of my clients were buying homes under a hundred thousand. And uh, now it's like, you can't, what do you, what are you going to buy for a hundred thousand a car, you know, like that you can't find it. And um, so what I've noticed kind of like you said, yeah, people outside of the Austin area and some people in Austin, just because they have not paid attention, they think that, Austin has just recently taken off, but it's been gradually growing. The way I see it, it's kind of like an old uh, an old uh, Cadillac where it's like, hey, when it takes off, it's super slow. And now it's like hit its speed, but it's going faster and faster. So people, all they see is like, whoa, it's moving so fast, but they haven't noticed that it's been strong for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, I did uh, several videos about the real estate market in Austin for the last 20 years. And I have them on my YouTube channel and it's pretty interesting. Like I remember uh, in Dell Valley, um, which is right next to Tesla. And the reason Mm. i point out Dell Valley is because everybody's like in love with Dell Valley now. You know? So so, um, I remember back in 2000, average home prices were about 100, 105,000. Well, fast forward to when we had a dip back in 09 and, and 2010, well there were homes about 80 90,000. So imagine wow. buying a home in the year 2000, waiting 9 years and now your home's valued lower than what you paid for it. That's actually what happened. And now average prices are about $250,000. So mm-hmm. think about that journey in 20 years. But most people will say, "Oh, well it'll take another 20 years for it to double." No, it's not. It's actually been uh put on uh, hyper growth per se ever since july 22nd when elon musk said hey i'm building and this is where i'm building in yeah. austin and uh ever since then you know there was a huge uh growth um i did some research five mile radius from uh tesla home values went up 16 percent in 12 months so going back to 20 years uh, thing that I used, things that I used to hear is, oh, well, it's 100000 you know, it's super expensive.
0: Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people.
1: Thanks guys. Right now, what do people say? Ah, oh, I should have bought five years ago. It's too expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, well too expensive compared to what and the question you have to ask yourself Jordan is do you want to ride the wave from now until 2025 or do you want to stay in the sidelines and just watch other people ride that wave it's a decision you have to make and, and see the, and, and see that's the thing that for us we need to make sure we guide people so your question is like okay there's people from out of the area what do you what would you advise them or what would you say to them I would say find a good quality agent that you can trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust them, go find another person. Cause the last thing I want for me is I'm guiding someone, I'm giving them the information and then they don't believe me. I rather just say, hey, look, it seems that you are not comfortable or taking my advice as the gospel because that's really what's happening. It might be best for you to find another agent because at the end of the day, we can give them all the information and some people just get lost in their research. Research, 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 research. Hey, Jordan, by the way, let's make an offer on that house. Ha, that house, the one three weeks ago, it already closed. Yeah, yeah. Right? absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and nowadays, what happens if you wait two or three days? It's gone.
0: Gone. Yeah, average time on market is around three days right now, you know, for from on the market to under contract. So you've got a couple of days. To jump on something that's where being quick with your decisions is coming in right now here we're we're in January of 2021 you don't have a lot of time if you see a house and it
1: makes sense just make an offer yeah. yep definitely and another, and another thing uh that I would say is like you know what most people expect to hit a grand slam to win the world series on their first house yeah it's like dude settle for a walk mm-hmm. settle for a hit a bunt just to get on first base. And that's another thing that keeps people from growing their portfolio or even getting their toes in the water when it comes to investing, why? Because they expect that they're gonna make five, six, seven hundred $700 a month in passive income. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, if, if I find that one, you know what? Not only will I be interested, but we're gonna have a sea of others that are interested because the price is so low, but guess what? Yeah. By the time all is said and done, and we have a uh, accepted offer, that price you see is going to be way higher. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there's so many people attracted to those deals that have a lot of meat on the bone. So it's like, yeah, at first glance, it may seem like, oh, my God, they're going to get a great deal until you see that they closed $50,000, $60,000 over asking.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Victor, uh, clearly, you've been in the Austin real estate market for quite a while, you've seen in all different kinds of homes, you've owned a lot of homes. Could you tell us about one that was just a bad deal or something that went wrong in a real estate transaction that you'd like to caution some of our listeners not to do?
1: I would say uh, when it comes to buying homes, always get an inspection done, yeah. uh, even if it's a brand new house, um, because sometimes things are not, the, the, the work that's being done by those subcontractors, sometimes it's not up to par. So always get an inspection because I've had situations where I'm, I'll buy a home and um, you know, you come to find out during the inspection that, hey, you know what, the duct system is actually uh, sending a lot of the cold air into the attic. And that could add a lot of cost on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I guess more so my advice is not necessarily something horrible that's happened, Uh, when it came to a a deal or a home and so forth, but more so the preventive things that I've done to avoid having those situations. Um, One thing I will say, I think this is really relevant and important, is the importance of knowing how to communicate with your tenants. Because I've had situations that could have gone real bad that it was more so like damage control because the way we interact with people. So one thing we have to understand is you know, have empathy, understand others, but at the same time, be firm. Don't be their buddy-buddy, but at the same time, don't be like uh, Scrooge McDuck, you know, and and it's like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and just like uh, step all over you. Um, So in this situation, when it comes to, um, you know, having investments, it's also about how you're going to manage and navigate through the difficult situations. I mean, I've had people that uh, ended up losing their job. Some people that ended up having terminal illnesses that they're like, hey, you know what, I can't pay my rent. Don't be so rigid that you can't be flexible with tenants that may end up getting upset because you can't get outside of your little box of what's fair. I've seen it so many times with people I know that it's like, oh, well, it's just a principle of the thing. Okay, well, your is gonna cost you thousands of dollars. But yeah, you know what, if that makes you feel better, hey, go for it, it's your money. And I think that a lot of times people dig their own grave by just being hard-headed and closed minded. And also uh, what ends up being very expensive is when they don't know how to communicate with tenants. Because you say the wrong thing, you're, you're trying to deliver a certain message and it comes across in a rude way or whatever. That might be the difference between them moving out And having everything clean to saying, you know what, F you, I'm going to go ahead and do this to your house, you know? So it's like, we have to be very cautious of how we interact with our tenants. So um, I'd say I rarely hear that kind of dialogue in any of the investments, but I think that's something that a lot of times causes a lot of tension and a lot of problems for people that are renting uh, homes and also figuring out, hey, are you the handy type? Are you going to be doing the work or are you going to be calling people? For me, I call people. I'm like, you know what? My time is more valuable than trying to save 500 bucks or 300 bucks, why? Because I could read a book, I can listen to a good podcast, I can go ahead and watch some awesome videos on YouTube to feed my mind so that I can continue to grow versus trying to save you know, 200 bucks because I need to go replace a couple of blinds or a ceiling fan or whatever the case may be. That's my perception. Now, for some people, they are very hands-on and they enjoy that. Hey, awesome! Go ahead and do it. But you need to know um, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses. If you're hot-tempered and any little thing bothers you, hire a uh, a professional property manager. So that way, you don't mess things up and create more problems for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's understanding ourselves, and I think uh, you know those things can help people avoid. A lot of heartache when it comes to real estate.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I you make a lot of great points of, you know, real estate investing is for everyone, but just figure out what you should and shouldn't be doing. So there's a way to invest for everybody out there, but you know, maybe for you, that you need to hire a property manager. Maybe you need to do all the repairs yourself, and that makes you feel good. But you know, everybody's a little different. You just have to examine yourself and. And know yourself well and figure out what you're gonna do best and what's gonna give you energy. Oh, of course. Important. So, Victor, what's your best advice for people looking to invest in the Austin area? I know we've talked about how hot it is, you know, they need to make a decision quickly. So, what do you tell somebody that comes to you and says, hey, think about investing here?
1: Making them realize people need to realize where they are mm-hmm. in order to figure out where they're headed. So before I would just kind of like blanket, start giving advice to people. But uh, as a real estate agent, the thing that's helped me a lot is saying, okay, you know what, Jordan, let's talk about your scenario. Is this the first time you're investing? Have you been investing in a while? Have you been investing for a while? I'm sorry. Uh, Where do you invest? Give me examples of deals you were really happy with. And then from there, grab that information and say, okay, let me paint a picture of today's reality in Austin right? But I think the most important thing here is understanding that you're not going to hit a grand slam. Those deals are few and far in between. And could you find it? Yes. But it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of patience to be able to find that. And if you keep waiting for the right one, you're going to miss a lot of good ones. Maybe not incredible deals, but a lot of solid deals. And another thing is this, you know, most people are like, hey, well, If I'm going to buy a house and I'm not going to even make a monthly profit, it's not worth it to me. Okay. Well, you know what? If it's not worth it to you, then we might not find something. But one thing that I've noticed, I've bought numerous homes where whenever I would turn them into rentals, I was pretty much breaking even. Well, guess what? Nobody gets excited and say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a property management deal here for this property. I'm having to Answer, you know, when somebody something breaks and so forth, sending somebody out there, having extra expenses. I'm not making a profit. It's not worth it. But guess what? Those homes have all doubled or tripled in price. So is it worth it? So think about this. Most people will go ahead and invest in a 401k. I cannot even think of one person that I know that says, hey, Victor, you know what? My 401k is at 300 dollars $400,000, not one single person, unless they put a lot of their own money in it. But I can't even count how many have been able to say, hey, Victor, you know what? You remember that house I bought? Now it's double. Hey, remember those four homes I bought? Each of them are double, and now I have over a million dollars. I never hear that with 401ks. And the thing is this, I learned this a long time ago. Most people never pay attention to their 401ks. And they think they're investing. They're not investing, they're gambling. And the house always wins. And the thing is, the sad thing is that people are gonna wake up and find out, oh my God, I only have 50 grand, 80 grand, 100 grand. And then if I take it out before I'm 65, I'm gonna go ahead and lose a big chunk of it. Versus let's put it in real estate, let's grow it. And guess what? I'm gonna avoid paying taxes because I can do a 1031 exchange and keep growing. It'll be like a little snowball that keeps growing growing, 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 growing. By the time you know it, hey, you know what? All your expenses are free. And I'll tell you, that's one of the things that's helped me a lot as a realtor that I don't need to sell another house to be able to be okay. You have enough reserves, your tenants are paying your mortgage, that's super awesome, you live for free. And that's what I tell my friends. Hey, I live for free, do you wanna learn how to do it? What do you mean live for free? And it's like, I'm pretty much like a kid that still lives with mom and dad that doesn't have a mortgage. But I live in my own house and other people pay for it and they're happy to go every single day to work so they can pay to have a roof over their head. And in doing so, they pay for my home where I live, as well as all the other rental properties I have.
0: Yeah, no, I think you bring up a lot of great points. It's easy to forget about all the benefits of real estate. and just focus on cash flow. So that's a super hot word. has been for quite a few years. Everybody wants cash flow. Oh, I want to make this cash flow. And I always try to tell people, hey, you know, what's a great deal for you? And somebody will say, well, I made $300 off of this single family house here. Like, yeah, that would be a great deal off a single family. Well, you made $300 off a single family house every month for a year. It's $3,600. Say you bought that same house last year in Austin, made $0 on it and appreciated roughly 20%, which one did you make more money with? So I'm not at all saying only invest for appreciation or only invest for cash flow. But think about all the benefits because you and I both know cash flows at the very top here. Everybody wants cash flow. And it's cool if you can get some. Um, I love cash flow too. Appreciation, you make a lot of money. Tax benefits are great. You know, I'm sure you get lots of write offs with the real estate you own, and that's awesome. Um, there's also the loan pay down there. That's another huge benefit. Um, all while not doing much work and having somebody else go out there and pay for your house, somebody oh. else is getting you cash flow,
1: appreciation,
0: tax benefits, and the loan pay
1: down. That's oh, yeah. I'm and I'll tell you to, to add to what you just said right now. Uh, before I got married, my wife actually moved from Corpus Christi and I told her, Hey, uh, I already own a few homes. I'm not going to be able to buy as an owner occupant anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So, um, you should buy a house. So I ended up convincing her to buy a house in Colorado crossing right next to the airport where there's no stores, there's no restaurants. It's pretty much not a very attractive part of town, but I said, invest here. Trust me. She wasn't too enthused we ran the numbers cuz we were going to live there maybe a year, two years tops mm-hmm. and turn it into a rental. When we ran the numbers, she was going to break even. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's making about 50 bucks a month from that property. So nobody's going to get excited for 50 bucks, but guess what? She bought it at 206, a house just closed at 318. 3 years. How much is that return? Yeah, absolutely. $33,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I think that's better than having 300 a month, like you said, right now. And the thing is, now we're like, okay, you know what? You're only making 50 bucks. Should we sell it and turn those $100,000 into uh, do a 1031 exchange, buy another property? And guess what? Now we can go ahead and have more passive income. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we can make those decisions or she can go ahead and keep it. She actually got uh, about 11,000, I think, or seven, I don't know, somewhere around that uh, out of her 401k to buy that house. And I'm like, Hey, how, how is your 401k, whatever you left in there? How's that doing? It's like, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. So think about that. And, and, and the thing is this, like, you know, she's a smart woman. She has, um, you know, two, two college degrees and she never even knew about this whole investing thing. She's all like, my God, I never thought this was possible. I got, nobody had ever talked to me about it. And I think the cool thing now is that, you know, we have access to the internet And we can pull up videos from whoever we wanna learn from. The information is there, we just have to take action. And the sad thing is most people want to just be entertained. Most people just wanna watch the game. They wanna watch the latest series because it's awesome. And I'm like, you know what? Cool, if that's your thing, go ahead and do it. But I remember when I was just roaming through life myself. I remember going to a job, getting home. I had my little routine, I get home at five grab a bite and then at 6.30, seven, start watching my shows till 11. I I cap up the night, you know, watching, you know, the tonight show or whatever the case may be. And then the next day start all over again. And I'm like, God, man, I can't believe I was just sleepwalking through life. And it's like, the way I see it is like, you know what, man, Uh, watching the game is like, that. that's for someone that already reached their goals or someone that has not a whole lot of goals. Now, I'm not saying don't watch a game or whatever, that it's bad. But just be careful how much money and how much time you invest in those, um, you know, all the entertainment that's out there. And it's like, yeah, you want to enjoy things. If you love football, go ahead and watch a football game. But make sure that when you work, you work. And when you play, you play and keep growing. And it's like, just don't roam through life because by the time we know it, it's over. Or by the time we know, we wake up and it's 20 years later and you're like, oh my God, what did I do?
0: Yeah, whereas if you would have bought a house a year for a few
1: years, 20 years later, oh my gosh, I've got so much money. Oh yeah, yeah. And the thing is this, then people start saying, hey, Jordan, man, God, you're lucky. You're so lucky you got that home back then. Well, I wasn't lucky, I was taking action. Yep. Right? It might
0: not be as comfortable as you'd like. So, you know, I'm sure you could have, a lot earlier on, moved into a nicer house and had a better standard of living. But you
1: chose to, take the road less traveled and just keep going because you had a goal oh yeah and I'll tell you I mean I, it was a big sacrifice uh, i remember I actually never lived alone I had roommates all the way till I was 35 years old yeah i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't um, you know looking to get married when I was younger and so forth so i had roommates all throughout those years so think about it right before my 20th birthday so basically from the age 20 to 35 15 years with roommates well guess what my roommates paid travel. I mean, I've been to like over 50 countries. They paid for my travel. They paid for all these things for me to live for free and be able to enjoy something that I really love, which is traveling. Mm -hmm. And and then at 35, I said, you know what? That's it. I'm 35. Like, you got to live on your own. I remember going downtown and I was renting a place downtown and still my tenants were paying for my place downtown. Mm -hmm. I was living for free. And it's like, man, this is so cool. Ended up getting married. Same thing. My tenants keep paying my my, uh, mortgage um, for when when my wife bought that home, I started paying the mortgage on it. Well, guess what? It was being paid by tenants. Uh, A year and a half later, I'm showing homes to a client. And uh, one day he couldn't make it to a neighborhood. I call him. I'm like, hey, Cody, there's this house. It's really nice. He's like, nah, it's a little bit too far for me. And I'm like, all right, well, just want to let you know I'm going to buy it. This took less than five minutes, Jordan. I walked in there and I was like, my wife was with me. She's a realtor as well. We walked through it real quick and I'm like, hey, would you like to move over here? Do you think you'd like to live over here in Round Rock? We ended up buying right off of Lewis Hanna for $246,000. Wow. Lewis Hanna and A.W. Grimes. Nice. Think about that. Yeah. Right now I'm helping somebody and we can't find anything under $275,000 in Pflugerville, Hutto, Round Rock, nowhere, unless you go to Gerald or you go to Elgin or you go to Bastrop. Yeah, not long, Bastrop won't be that price either. So I'm telling you yeah. to jump in now. Oh, of course. And the thing is this, for me, I make sure that I make decisions quick. Like I said, the five minutes, I go up to the, to the salesperson and I'm like, hey, you know what? Here's my uh, earnest money. You see that house over there? I just saw it. I want to buy it. And the guy was like, really? Like, I haven't even <laughs> talked to you about it. And then I was messing with the guy. His name's Randall. I'm like, hey, Randall, you know what? You're a great salesperson. You just got me to buy that house. Like, But I didn't say anything. So I'm like messing with him. like sometimes a good salesperson knows when not to say anything to get the sale done. And I ended up buying it like that. It was totally worth it. Uh, a year and a half after that, I ended up buying uh, this house here. And, uh, you know, it's been rented out. I'm only making about 100 bucks a month. But hey, now that house is worth about 325 Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's awesome so buy and wait don't don't wait to buy is it's the big saying that you always hear and i think there's never been a bad example of that in austin for the past 25 30 years yeah at some point in time it went down but think about where it is compared
1: to 08 and now so true and see i think that the other thing about this is like a lot of times people get so lost in all these social causes and so forth. And yeah, you know what? You got to stand for stuff. But the beauty about real estate, real estate doesn't care if you're a man or a woman, real estate doesn't care if you have an accent or no accent, real estate doesn't care what color you are or where you grew up, or if you're connected or not connected, everybody can do it. It's just a decision. And like you said before, Hey, you know what? You got to make some sacrifices. I, in fact, I'll tell you this. I've never, I never bought a new car until like four months ago, never have I ever bought a new car. Why? Because I know it doesn't make sense. I said, I'll buy a new car when I can pay cash. And I don't care if it goes down because I just want to buy it. Yeah. So it's like, if you make sacrifices along the way, your future self is going to thank you. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your example,
0: start as early as you can. You know, don't wait until you're in the right position. I talked to so many people that oh, I want to pay off these student loans or I want to do this or that. And if you can get started now, just get started. Get started and wait and then take care of that stuff later. If you can reduce your living expenses by doing what you did or what I did, you know, do that and then take care of that other stuff you'd like to do. You know, go out and buy that new car. You, of course, you waited a little while to do that, which is smart. But, you know, if you want to buy a new car, buy a house first, then go buy a car. Don't buy a car first handicap yourself from buying a house and have to wait to get your income up to be able to do that later down the road.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell you, like, even if you don't start super young, the thing is to start. Yeah. Uh, my So my older brother is the one that's a realtor. Then I have a middle brother, right? Um, and he started investing like he was 33. Well, this dude now, he has a portfolio that's probably like almost $3 million. And it's like he was just intentional. When he, when it was his time, he said, "You know what? My little brother and my older brother are doing this. Let me do it too." And now, my God, he's sitting pretty. He ended up buying a house on Fifty First Street over by Mueller for a hundred and like sixty-seven thousand, five bedrooms, three full baths. Wow, that house is almost five hundred thousand dollars now. I believe that. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah get started
0: whenever you can. You know, if you're not, if you're just because you're not 19 doesn't mean you can't start now. My, my dad started real estate investing again in his sixties. and Wow. He doesn't regret it. I know that. So get started whenever you're able. There's never a bad time to get started in real estate investing. Yes, sir. All right, Victor. So, you know, clearly you've learned a lot over the years. Um, you've got great examples from your older brother and your, your parents. What are some
1: books you've read that you recommend to other people that are looking to get started in real estate investing? The one everybody talks about, uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad," "Think and Grow Rich." Mm-hmm. But you know what? I think I think that some of the books that people really don't talk about a whole lot is like "Psycho Cybernetics," um, "The Power of the Subconscious Mind," and as I've been through my journey of uh, you know learning and investing and so forth. I think that a lot of times people self-sabotage because in their mind they can't see themselves as more as where they are or what they've seen in their surroundings. And that's why I think those books like psychocybernetics allows you to understand what picture and image you have of yourself. Because what we have in our world, what we experience, it's a projection of what's inside. So think about it. If I think I'm a gangster, how am I gonna, how am I gonna dress? What am I gonna drive? How am I going to interact with you? If I, if in my mind and in my heart, I'm a cowboy, what am I going to dance to? Country music. What am I going to drive? A big old pickup truck, right? So what image do we have inside? And that's what we bring up to the world. And if what we are experiencing in our life is not what we truly want and desire, we have to start working from within so that we can change the outside. So, I think that, yes, it's more so on the spiritual, personal growth journey. And some people may be, well, what, what does that have to do with real estate? Well, it has a lot to do with it. Because I think we all have an economic thermostat. And mm-hmm. if we if we we grew up in a home where people didn't really make a whole lot of money, our parents, et cetera, well, guess what? We're going to think that that is the lifestyle we need to have to, because that's all we are used to. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Uh, I told you earlier, you know, we grew up in government housing when I was five years old. We ended up moving to a, a old, ugly, beat up home. My my parents saved up. They ended up, you know, my parents used to sell tacos on a on a on a roach coach, you know, uh, one of those taco trucks that now they are so cool. Well, back then, they weren't cool, you know, yeah. oh, this was 30, 35 years ago. So um, so they they saved. They ended up buying a property. And I remember growing up, I mean, it was four of us. We have an older sister, three siblings. We had a two bedroom, one bath, jacked up old place. Mm -hmm. That's the environment I grew up in. And I remember even going to like a a Carabas or, you know, a Red Robin was like, wow, dude, this is a really nice restaurant. (laughs) But it's all our paradigm of what we think we deserve and what we have experienced before. So when we have that mental thermostat and we start doing real well, Unfortunately, subconsciously, we make decisions that'll bring us back to where we think we belong. Mm -hmm. And we start saying things like, oh, well, yeah, you know, Jordan can do it, but it's because, you know, he comes from that environment or, oh, his father taught him, or, hey, you know what, he grew up in the good part of town. You know what, there's no excuses. We live in an era where we decide what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and take control of our daily actions so that we get the results that we truly want, but only if we're not going to self sabotage by the bad image that we have of what we think we deserve and that's why i think those books are just so incredible absolutely mindset's everything if you've got a good
0: mindset there's no telling how far you could go um and if you're letting everything sabotage your mindset and bring you down you're just going to stay where you are or below that so huge huge believer of that economic thermostat and And beyond that just a thermostat for your whole life if this is how you think your life looks like you said if you think you're a gangster and that you end up in jail all the time and bad things happen to you bad things are gonna happen to you if you think you get sick this is my personal belief if you think you get sick all the time you just you're always feeling bad you're gonna feel bad and get sick a lot you know
1: your mind is very powerful so extremely powerful and it's like With those thoughts, we determine what we're capable and not capable of doing. So uh, for me, it would be like, hey, work on that, work on your mindset and surround yourself with good, positive people. And also make time to help others because nobody succeeds alone. You know, I always chuckle whenever I see, oh, self-made man or self-made woman. Nobody succeeds alone. Nobody. Now, a large portion of the success is because of what you do, Mm -hmm. but it's not like you do it alone. Uh, so it's like being grateful for those things, uh, saying thanks to the people that guided you along the way. And the beautiful thing about it is that sometimes it's people that you'll never meet that pour into you just because of the material that they put online. And that's the beauty of the era that we live in. And, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he's like, oh yeah, you know, the rich are trying to keep us down. I was like, no, dude. What's happening is that you're so enthused watching the game and fighting with your friend who's the better quarterback or saying, hey, who's better, LeBron and Jordan? Like, who cares? Like, is that going to change your life? I know for me, it's not going to change my life. I'm not even going to engage. Do I like a good game, whatever? Of course. But where are you investing your time? And I think guarding our time, guarding our mind is what's going to allow us to grow and experience life at a higher level. Yeah.
0: And if you grow and you're you're experiencing life at a higher level, typically people want to share that with other people and and help other people get up too. I've never met somebody that's doing well that doesn't want to help other people get there too. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, people come up, uh, come on, on a podcast and that's why you're doing what you're doing because you want to share. You know what? Hey, you know what? Some people don't have these mindsets or don't have these uh, this th- these insights onto the world of real estate, let me share what I know. And that's the beauty of it. You know what? Some people will hear it uh, and, and it'll transform the way they think. And even if it's just a little thing that allows them to kind of pivot a bit and put them in the right direction, I think that's really rewarding as well for anybody that shares this kind of information. Absolutely. All right, Victor. So
0: how can people reach out to you if they just want to talk more about these things or learn more about the Austin real estate market or your team and what you guys do, what's the best way for people to reach you guys?
1: Well, um, Victor has all my info, but, uh, if it's like on social media, realtor Nino on, uh, at realtor Nino on uh, Instagram or just Victor Nino on uh, Facebook. And, uh, another thing, you know, I've, I've started to grow my, uh, YouTube channel. Um, I do market analysis of what's happening in the area, like yesterday, I just did some research, Round Rock year over year, 14% up in 12 months, city of Round Rock as a whole. So every week I put out two videos of different parts of town and it's kind of like, hey, you know what, let me gauge what's happening. So if people wanna go ahead and find out more about what's happening locally, they can go ahead and do that kind of like hands off and nobody's gonna be calling you back or you know, making you feel like they're trying to sell you something. At the end of the day, I'll tell you this, I think people come to us when they know that they can get value from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in this situation, I came across you because I had a listing, you ended up uh, following up on it and having a conversation with you made me feel very comfortable that you knew what you were doing and that I knew that your client would close. So, you know what, <laughs> there was a sea of offers, buddy. And yeah, and out by having a conversation with me, but at the same time, having a conversation where it was meaningful and you weren't just, you know, kicking the can, taking my time. It was really good information that we exchanged. So I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and do it. So I'm really glad that I also came in contact with you and then come to find out, you know, Diego, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so forth, so we know, uh, uh, you know, a, a core of people that are mutual friends, which is super cool. Absolutely. You know, the
0: the community you start to learn of people that are actually getting things done, no matter where you are. I, I've been in multiple different businesses and when you get up there and find the people that are actually doing it and that are stand up people and, and make things happen. It's not a lot. So get out there, meet people, add value to everybody, and it's going to be great for you. Yes, sir. All right, Victor, one last question, probably the most important question we'll ask today. What's your
1: favorite restaurant in Austin? Ooh, my favorite place to eat, not restaurant, would be a little taco truck on Riverside uh, called Rositas al Pastor, and it's uh, like off of uh, Parker and Riverside. Those are the best tacos in town. So I love going there. And uh, just a little side note, I remember when I met my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to take you to this cool little spot. It's al fresco, meaning it's outside, <laughs> and we have a view of downtown. So that was pretty cool. You know, they have like like little benches outside, and you can sit, watch, uh, you know, the downtown skyline. So that's my favorite place to eat. It's Rositas Al Pastor. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, there's a there's a Starbucks and a and a CVS or a Walgreens right across the way. All right, perfect. Well, I
0: will put that in the show notes. So everybody, can make sure to stop by there. Victor, thank you so much for jumping on here today. I think we could probably go for hours, but we'll keep it at about an hour here. Um, Anybody wants to reach out to Victor, it's Victor Nino on pretty much any social media platform. Uh, The Nino team's out there to help always. Uh, Check out his YouTube channel and he'd love to help there. Victor, thank you so much.
1: You have a great day. Awesome, Jordan, have a good one. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.